Hello and welcome to the Evil Lawyer's Guide to Life. My name is Jay Lucas. I am the Evil Lawyer and across from me is my lovely co-host. Hi, I'm Kim Harmon Gatlin. And today we have a special guest. He's very special. Very special. <laughs> Rich Emberlin. <laughs> Rich Emberlin, everybody. Rich, how you doing today? Doing real good. Thanks doing, for having me. Yeah, well, thanks for coming on the show, man. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, for the four people who don't know who you are. <laughs> 400,000. It's only three. Give us a brief... A brief uh, resume. I'm a 32-year veteran of law enforcement here in Texas. I was a Dallas officer for 30 years, and I'm now a reserve. And uh, I worked in criminal intelligence, SWAT, narcotics, patrol. I know some intelligent criminals. Did you yeah, beat up it's, hippies? It's, so it's, it's long-haired. Line it's between little, criminal and cop. Trust me. Is the long-haired thing like triggering to you? You just want to jump across here and beat the shit out of me? Or? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm trying to grow it out enough to be in narcotics, but <laughs> it seems to stop at this length. So besides all that, I mean, you've done a whole bunch of government stuff too, right? Yeah, I work for the Department of Defense in a limited role, and I work for a company called Safari Land. I teach chemical agents, less lethal, breaching, OC, stuff like that. No, and actually, we, we determined that we may or may not have bumped into each other years ago when you were... When you were in, uh, when Cheney was in town, and some drunken asshole, me, um, <laughs> thought it'd be funny to merge their black suburban in with all of y'all's black suburbans. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. definitely me. <laughs> you merged back out. I merged back out. Yeah, yeah. You're well, smart. Well, once I realized that we weren't getting out of that one. So, um, what are you doing now, mostly? Um, mostly the training side. Okay. For the DOD and Safari Land, I have my own company, 540 Solutions, where I do executive protection. Blade and plug. If any executives out there need protection, here's your guy. <laughs> no, and it's 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 all going good. I mean, I don't have to worry about having to work because I'm retired, but it's I love to work. And you're writing a book. I'm writing a book called Running Toward Gunfire. It's Kim Gatlin. That's a great and, title, isn't it? Well, she had to correct me. I called it running towards gunfire. She said, Your grammar is terrible. Drop the S. It's, it's running toward. Actually, gunfire. I think it's running towards, but no, it's no, not. What do I know? <laughs> I, only have, I only have about 14 degrees. Um, and I've none. <laughs> well, um, and as you know, I, I've got a whole series of books coming out called The Evil Lawyer's Guide to All Kinds of Different Things. Right. And you know, one of them is crime and divorce and that's what we usually talk about is gold digging <laughs> yes, divorces <laughs> and, and and crime and all this but in custody um we're we're gonna kind of leave that off and just talk about you and just crazy shit you've okay. seen in your career sure. so um i think we were talking about this the other night um about uh, the nuttiest things you've ever taken off of a suspect and you told this <laughs> terrific story scalps scalps yeah yeah uh actually another guy had stopped this well it, to back up we arrested some people well we were de detaining some people for buying dope and this guy wasn't buying dope he just drove a guy to a house to buy some dope nice and nice guy straight straight up guy he dropped his friend off and we arrested his friend and we had him detained and i said what's your story he's like i am on parole for capital murder and i said no you're not I said, nobody gets parole for capital murder. Oh, he but goes, they no, do. I'm the last case of, what do you call it? Murder of passion. Yeah. 
And murder of passions when you basically walk in on your wife, your wife, yeah, and someone's on top of her and you shoot them, yeah. And shoot them used to be the law in Texas that that was a defense, right, to it's to not murder. <laughs> and this guy had he killed his wife and her boyfriend, the neighbor, and then went on a great, you know, hunt for his wife because he reported her missing and. After about five days, he was sitting at a red light in Dallas, and this officer was behind him, and he fell over off his bike because he'd been high on meth for a week, and he just fell asleep. <laughs> what a lightweight. So he wasn't affiliated with any motorcycle club because no, they used to yeah. represent guys, you know, who could go two, three weeks at a time. You know, and be, <laughs> they'd be just fine. This guy was working for the Department of Transportation. I thirty. He wasn't a bandito. He wasn't a bandito or a, uh, necessarily. But he fell asleep on his motorcycle and just fell off. He fell yeah. off. Scalping is the interesting part. Yes, yeah, that's the bad part. He probably would have got probation. But this officer got out and he thought he had a drunk and he called for cover. And I covered him. And the guy was totally lucid, just tired. He goes, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm tired. I've been up for five days. And I can't live with myself anymore. I killed my wife. So he ratted himself out. Yeah. After I said, what's that on your belt? And he goes, they're scalps. <laughs> and I, go, How do you have scal-? I thought I was talking about animal scalps. Right. right. No, it was his wife's scalp and her boyfriend's scalp. Oh. And he rolled them up and the husband up in a carpet and the wife in a pad and took them up and it's happening in Garland, took them up and uh, threw them behind this uh, Ford dealership in the wintertime. And he would argue, and he still does to this day, that I didn't kill both of them when they... The guy laid there for five days. He wasn't dead. And when he confessed, right. we took him up to Garland. And he confessed, and they said, where are the bodies? Because Garland is where you get all your good confessions. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Back then, anyway. They, they treat him a little bit differently than we do. And uh, he said, I told him everything. They went and found my wife's body. They found his body. But the guy was still alive because it was so cold out. It was hypothermic. And he'd been shot by a shotgun. But... When he said, he argues that when they warmed him up at Parkland, he bled out. So I can't be blamed. They should have left him frozen, obviously. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if I were the attorney. Meth logic. For the families, I would be suing Baylor. Exactly. It was Baylor, actually. I said Parkland. It was Baylor. You remember that, right? (laughs) So I said, so what happened? He goes, well, I went to court and it was a crime of passion. And the judge said, I've got to send you to prison because I would have let you slide, but you scalped him. So he's on paper for like five more years when I run into him on this drug warrant. And he's not doing anything wrong. He's just driving a van and his friend wanted some dope. And I said, what's your story? And he started telling it to me. And I said, I met you (laughs) many years ago. And he said, really? I go, yeah, I was the second officer at the scene. And he said, I go, how did you get out? He goes, I'm on paper and I've changed my life. And I met a nice lady in Oklahoma who lives on a reservation. She's an Indian. He goes, and I never go through people's walls. Mm -hmm. You just don't. You know how cops always say, take it out. Yeah. Isn't that going to be a little bit triggering to this guy who's been scalping people? (laughs) To live on a reservation. Live on a reservation. (laughs) I can say that. I'm I'm, I'm Chickasaw, so don't, no Indians start bitching. So I can talk. About oh, I sue everybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe you can help me with our reparations. Check. So anyway, I, he has this wallet with a chain on it. Uh-huh. Like he goes, 
goes, dude, check out my girlfriend. She's really pretty. And I go, you know, I don't normally do this. And all these SWAT guys are like, what's Rich talking to this guy about? And I pull out his wallet, and there's a beautiful Indian maiden in there. I go, that's your wife? He goes, yep. I'm going to marry her. I'm going to live on the reservation. He had like five more years, maybe two and a half more years to go on paper. So I'll get to fish free, uh, free medical, free education. Now, said, on paper for everybody who's listening who's not a criminal or an attorney or a cop. It, it's being on parole is what they call <laughs> being on paper. Sorry. No, that's cool. That's fine. It gives me a chance to talk. <laughs> Am I uh, taking too much of the conversation? No. Um, no, he said, uh, I'll be up there and I'll just enjoy life and I'll fish and I'll free medical, free education. I'm going to work on that. And I said, do you realize you'll be the only gringo on an Indian reservation, and you have actually scalped. Two people. <laughs> We're all going to be jealous. Maybe he could give classes. <laughs> Maybe not, counselor. Now, teach a seminar. what would the charge have been if he had walked into the wrong house and shot the wrong cheating couple? Because we're going to get the well, case here in a minute. I just have to throw out a hint. This is part one, y'all, of a right. two-parter. <laughs> we're going to talk about um, mistaken addresses and Amber homicides and, uh, and how sometimes you, you mistake the wrong place. and uh, Accidents happen. Oh, I have two. A million times. Like, um, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. And I'll never do it again. <laughs> I went to the wrong hotel room. <laughs> I, I had no earthly idea. So, um, so you you're with uh, DPD for a long time. Um, were you a, a SWAT or um, I, I did what, what did you do with, with that DPD? Everybody else has to do. You have to go to patrol for five years. Right. So I was a patrol officer. And then when I was a salty veteran at three and a half years, I started training patrol officers as a field training officer. And I started at Northwest and I went to Oak Cliff. And then I was selected to go and I was lucky. I was selected to go to narcotics and grow my hair long and grow my beard and buy dope and get beat up by my fellow officers who didn't know who I was. On right. Stops. I think Sounds like a Saturday evening for a lot of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> And it was a dangerous job. Oh, yeah. I thought it was going to be all Miami Vice and cool, and there was a lot of cool to it. But, it, you know, when these suspects don't know you're a cop, if you're buying a $50 crack rock, that's how much your life's worth. They were like, why don't we just kill this dude? You didn't have a tubs with you or anything who could, you know, maybe. Sometimes I did. Sometimes I did. Maybe deflect the bullet. <laughs> 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 but uh, I did that. I'm sure he's I a saw, snitch. And the, and the SWAT guys would run the warrants for the places where I bought crack. Right. And I thought, okay, these guys come in, break everything. Hang on now. What, maybe we should pause this and you give me some addresses of these crack bike <laughs> places. Okay, I'll tell you where I almost got killed in Nantucket Street. <laughs> I went, the reason I left narcotics, I went to a street called Nantucket. And this this prostitute that I met in a topless bar, and the only reason I worked the topless bars is my bosses. I, I heard I'm just people. dumbfounded that there was a prostitute in the topless bar. <laughs> Shocking, right? I thought they were all single moms working their way through law school and uh, your last wife was there, yeah, and medical school. You know, they're they're saving their money. Yeah. No, I was working the prost. I mean the prost. I was working the prostitute. Freudian. We didn't put you under oath. I remember my. uh, I can't. 
could hear my sergeant, my lieutenant, they had a big problem with all these topless bars selling dope. Right. And, and the girls aren't really the dope dealers. It's their boyfriends. And I remember them going, you know, Amberlynn's so goofy. He'll never touch one of those girls. Let's just send him in there. And they sent me in to these topless bars to buy dope from girls. And my cover story or cover for action story was, hey, man, I'm married. My wife won't sleep with me unless I have an eight ball of crack and or cocaine. And dope, yeah. I don't do dope. I told him I was a baggage handler for American Airlines and I actually had a uniform that I found that had my name on it, Rich. Rich. Uh, for Air both Blue people Shorts. listening who don't know what an eight ball is, that's <laughs> three and a half ounces or three and a half grams <laughs> of <laughs> cocaine or, an, or, or an eighth of an ounce. Probably you fly private. I've <laughs> <laughs> never met a baggage handler. Yeah. <laughs> or a ramper. So you go in there and the more I said, they'd say, you know, why don't you hook up with me later? I go, I'm married. This is from my wife, and it made yeah. me even more charming to him. Uh, 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 and I would go home uh, every night. I remember standing in the shower with my wife out there. Go, what are you doing? I go, I'm washing this up. I'd run the stench. Getting <laughs> silkwood shower. You try. You 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 walk in, and all all you. It's like the stench of glitter and shame. <laughs> I was thinking. Attaches it to you and, 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 and beers. So anyway, uh, so how long did you work at Lipstick? I mean, <laughs> J Rags, <laughs> J Rags, Thomas, Harry um, I went to all of them, but I did that for about three and a half years. And I also bought crack out of houses, and I bought one eight ball out of this place on a street called Nantucket, which borders on Mesquite. And I told Tim before. You know, I've said, heard about it. Man from Nantucket, but I you know, know we're supposed to be PG thirteen, so we won't we won't go <laughs> into that. I know the entire thing too. Yeah, I know the whole thing too. Does it, nope. Yeah, no, most doing. people just know the first two lines. <laughs> so I go in this house, and there's like twenty people in this house, and it was a house that was inherited by a guy named Red, not his real name. And I went in there. There was a grandma in there eating a bowl of cereal at ten o'clock at night. Little kids running all around, and literally sounds like the typical crack house, actually. <laughs> given my limited experience, so you're stipulating. Well, I, I have owned some slum property in my past, and you know, <laughs> I come from a long line of slum lords. So, so this dancer who actually had whiskers, which is gross. Ew. Yeah, it was gross. She brings me down there and says, "Rich is cool. He just needs a he just needs a a ball." Mm-hmm. And I've got a beer in my hand. I've got a gun tucked in my shirt, but it's under my T-shirt. It's way too hard to get to, which was a huge mistake on my part. My partner's out on the street in the convertible. Tubbs. Tubbs. Tubbs is out on the street. His name was Jesus, but you can go with Tubbs. <laughs> and uh, he said, just go in there by your rock. And I go, okay. And I get in there, and I'm looking at all these people. And I remember that little old lady, because everybody was very adversarial. And she goes, it'll be all right, baby. And I'm like. She could tell you were freaking. I was scared to death. And they said, go down the hall. And I'm walking down this hall that was like a Willy Wonka hall. The farther I walked down it, the longer it got. (laughs) And I get to the end of the hall. Willy Wonka and the crack factory. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like it that much, but you're witty. Um, (laughs) That's what everybody says. (laughs) Especially the strippers and the crack whores. circles anyway <laughs> so i go down the hall and i knock they said knock on the door and i hear shink, shunk, shunk, 
four locks. Right. And I get in there, and this is how long ago it was. There was beanbag chairs in there, and there was these two crack cars that wouldn't make eye contact with me because they knew I was about to be killed. And this guy goes, what you doing in here? I go, I just want a cracked rock worth 50 bucks so my wife will sleep with me. And he's like, okay. And I should have known when he started cutting it, they, it's in the, they cook it in the bottom of a pan. Yes, yeah, so you have a cookie. Basically, yes. yeah. well, I've represented the cartels, <laughs> so you tend so, to pick up the lingo. I should have known when I saw his hand shaking. Yeah, right. I went, this guy's as scared as I am. And I, he cuts me off a 50, and I see a pistol over there on the dresser. I see a pistol in his waistband, and I got my rock. I'm ready to leave. And he unlocks all the locks, and I'm walking down the hallway. And this guy named Red walks in the front door right as I'm leaving. He goes, what do we have here? And the guy that sold me the rock said, man, I just sold him a rock. And I think he's a cop. He goes, <sighs> pulled out a gun, put it in my face and said, guess what? You're about to smoke up. I said, you're absolutely right. I am. And, and that's how you got hooked on crack and then <laughs> ended up on the corner on Harry Hines. And With no teeth. <laughs> <laughs> so I went, you're absolutely right. And I saw that the door was open and I punched him in the face and ran out the door thinking he's going to shoot me in the back. And I'm, I've dropped my beer can. I still have my rock. I've got my pistol that I couldn't get to. And I right. would have gotten to it quicker, but there were so many kids and people in this place. I didn't want to get a gunfight and hurt somebody that didn't deserve to be hurt. Now this guy deserved to be hurt, but yeah. As I walk out there, my partner, Jesus, is kind of dozing in the car. I'm like, start the car. <laughs> it's like the Ikea commercial. Start the Corvette, Tubbs. <laughs> We've got to go. And I fly over the top seat, and he starts, and then he goes, what happened? I go, man, that guy tried to kill me. They're probably right behind me. They weren't. They told the girl, my prostitute with whiskers, oh, that guy, there's no way that guy's a cop. He's too scared. He's walking back, and I'm like, uh, no. But we did go back the next day, and we ran a warrant. Yeah. And our SWAT team hit him. And I don't think anybody in my squad believed how many people were in there, uh -huh. how long that hallway was. And when they came in there, they're like, you went all the way down that hallway. <laughs> I go, yeah, I got locked in that room. And there was 25 people in there. And I said, I'm going to SWAT because these guys just break things, put tear gas in, and I have to process a crime scene. I want to be one of those guys. And they right. Opening, and so I ended up in SWAT. So you're crack habit got you into the SWAT, basically. <laughs> so you're in SWAT like 15 years, right? 17? And then I ended up getting hurt in SWAT, which happens. Here's your hint. Mm -hmm. And I had a... And I thought was, that was just because we're doing this in October. No, it's not an uh, accessory. It's not an accessory. <laughs> um, I got an eye injury. I hurt my back. It's fused. I had my face smashed. I should have left SWAT within 10 years. So the chief of police was actually my SWAT sergeant, and he put me in a great unit called Criminal Intelligence Dignitary Protection. I've represented a lot of criminals, and there's been a paucity of intelligence with a lot of the ones. Not all of them. But a lot of them, uh, yeah, it's kind of an oxymoron, you know, because the ones that don't, I've represented a lot of criminals on things that were not criminal cases. Those sure. were the smart ones. Yeah, right. The ones who get caught doing crimes generally are not the brightest bulbs in the yeah, on the shelf. They, they're, they're, only, they're not mad because they committed a crime. They're mad because they got caught. But yeah. 
So I ended up in criminal intelligence, dignitary protection, and I worked with the Secret Service and State Department and marshals, depending on what the dignitary was and who represented them. And I was just the local point of contact. And it was a really great job. I took care of presidents all the way from Carter, not while he was in office, as you would allege, but when he was building homes. Right. And all the way to Trump. Okay. Which was really cool. Met a lot of cool people. So one of those presidents would have been uh, Bill Clinton. Yes. He has his wife. You remember, you remember, you remember her? <laughs> yeah, she's a good-looking guy. Why? why you <laughs> <laughs> I got some friends uh, in D.C. that uh, the Secret Service had a special name for her. Um, all <laughs> <laughs> have code names. Yeah, she had a code name. It was it was not not flattering. We'll just call her Cankles. We'll leave out her real code name. <laughs> just concern if I was, I wouldn't be. We'll just call her Cankles. Did did you ever have to deal with Cankles? I did not have sex with Cankles. Uh, well, I I would hope not. <laughs> it was between the crack and you uh, and Bill Clinton other. are kind of buddies. He knows that you look like him. Yeah. Well, you know, I've I've had dinner with the Clintons a couple of times when I was much younger, and right. and uh, yeah, dated his campaign manager's daughter when I was in college. Of course, you did. And um, Clinton was a really charming guy. He, he was. Is. He was terrific. And uh, Hillary was not not so much. And no. she treated all of us like we were the help. Oh, <laughs> it, it just me, you were. <laughs> it, it, this is dinner with you know us kids. You know, we were like nineteen or twenty. And uh, Bill and 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 someone who later committed suicide by shooting himself in the back of the head from across the room. And, um, uh, well, 80, 90 people have committed suicide around them because, well, they're all kind of, she's pretty obnoxious. But that she treated everybody in Makes that room life. Like, like they were, like they were the help. Like they were the help, and it was just, no, it was you, murder. She's the only. I mean, not murder, it was suicide. It was suicide <laughs> being around her. She's the only dignitary that's ever yelled at me. I was at the tarmac. She was leaving from a visit, and I was behind. Using that word dignitary, dignitary awfully loosely, we were referring <laughs> to. And I was on the tarmac behind her, and it was an elevated stage she was on. And if you're a good dignitary protection guy, well, I was actually in squat then. I was all jocked up with a bunch of gear on. And I'm looking out across the tarmac for bad guys. But you have to turn around every once in a while and make sure your dignitary hasn't walked off because they do that. Right. And I hear screaming from her going, get out of the way, get out of the way. And I turned around. I thought, oh, my God, it's on. And I turned around. She was screaming at me because I was in her picture. <laughs> and I said, ma'am, I know I'm jocked up in 70 pounds a year, but your cankles won't block me. <laughs> You're in the way of my magnificent cankles. You bastard. When I met Bill Clinton for the first time. He was at the Below Mansion, and I was with my partner. And he came out of this meeting. He was doing a book tour for his wife. I think he was raising funds and doing a book tour. And he came out, and I was leaning up against this glass because I was the lead motorcade guy. And he does the whole, can I talk to you? And I was like, I actually turned around, looked through the glass, and I went, meet me. And he came over, he goes, I just want to talk to a couple of regular guys. I've been in here with a bunch of stiffs. I said, we're, we're about as regular as they get. And I can't remember what we talked about. But probably. A regular guy. Probably that club on Harry Hines. Or that, or that gorgeous blonde he saw you talking to earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I saw him years later when I was in dignitary protection. And that's closer protection. That's when you're walking with them. Yeah. And we get assigned to uh, 
get out clicks, which are pictures, 10 clicks per dignitary. And people pay a lot of money for these clicks, and they give some to the police department. And it's not my job to take a click. I'll take a click with any politician that I've protected just for historical purposes. And he'd been visiting Dallas. He'd been there three times in four months. And Big Bo over at Secret Service said, the man wants to take a picture with you. He's no. kind of mad because you never take a picture with him. I said, well, you know I'd take a picture with him. He goes, well, get in line. You get in line, you sign in. Yeah. And I, he was doing the step and repeat thing. He probably doesn't have fingers. He does. <laughs> and he was just shaking hands and sending people on their way. And I'm last. Yeah. In line. yeah. And they're paid, they pay 25000 Shake, shove. Yeah, yeah, shake yeah. and shove. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. I've got, I've got pictures <laughs> with most of them. So I'm in the step and repeat. And I'm like, man, these poor people paid all this money. And they had dinner with them. I didn't have dinner. Oh, yeah. Stand up there and. I had to pee. Mm -hmm. I was hungry, and I couldn't do anything but protect him. But now I'm in the line, and I get up to him, and I'm thinking he's going to shake and shove. Right. And he goes, Rich, I've been here three times in the last four months. You've never taken a picture with me. And I said, sir, I'm honored to take a picture with you. I said, for one thing, people think I look like you, and I don't think I do. And he goes, well, I wish I looked like you. Like, you got answer. hit on by Bill Clinton, my friend. <laughs> no, I didn't. Dad he was night. picturing you and a Clinton hater, and I said, "Dad, I got some bad news for you. I think I will Bill Clinton." He was, hung up on me. He was picturing you in a blue dress. <laughs> I will tell you that two thirds of the women in those step and repeats had blue dresses on. I bet they did. I don't doubt that for one second. <laughs> I, I swear on my child. And, and and two thirds of the women leaving those step and repeats had stained blue dresses on. <laughs> I wore a blue suit in hopes of action that night, but nothing. Nothing happened. <laughs> well, maybe you could have. Uh, you, you you blew your shot with Captain Cankles. I was going to say, uh, no pun intended. <laughs> I'm taking pictures with Mitt Romney and the Dalai Lama himself. Mm -hmm. How about yeah. Giuliani? Have you got any pictures with Giuliani? You know what? I got a picture with Giuliani and Roger Staubach's football booth one time when they were playing the Giants. I've got one hanging up in there with me and Giuliani. I think it I was. like that guy. He, he, he was a hell of a guy. He didn't. He was doing the Sounds shake like and shove. He still is a hell of a guy. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. He was doing the shake and shove, but we got to talk to him for a while because one of my friends had paid like $80,000 <laughs> for this table. Wow. You know, so yeah, so the money's obscene. It's ridiculous. Uh, you know, I'll have dinner with somebody for like eight bucks. You know, I mean, <laughs> as long as they're paying. We did a deal for George Bush forty-three when he was on the campaign trail for his second uh, term, and these people paid twenty-five thousand bucks for a meal, and they brought the meals out. They brought Secret Service is cool, and forty-three is cool. And he right. said, make sure those officers outside and get a meal. And they were in styrofoam boxes. Mm -hmm. And I got 10 of them stacked up on the Got a quarter of a million dollars worth of cheeseburgers that's in there. exactly <laughs> what I said when a guy said, I just spent 25000 bucks on one of those. I go, I got, I got a quarter million for free. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Hurts, but I'm eating on the trunk. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm sure. So then you went into uh, some TV. One of my favorite shows. Well, until <laughs> before you got off of it, you know, but when you were on it, it was one of my favorite shows. Dallas SWAT or uh, Dallas SWAT? <laughs> okay, we'll say Dallas SWAT. I mean, we won't say the actual favorite show because it's the other one. Real but uh, no, Live PD. Oh, Live, Live PD. PD. I, you know yeah. what? I was a big that fan show, of Live PD. I still am, and I'd love to get back up there. It's a great show, and it 
COPS is in its first run and it's in its 32nd year. Right. And Live PD, they monitor, for people that don't know, they monitor six departments live and it'll be around longer than COPS will be. And it's really good. Dan Abrams is awesome. Dan Cesario, the creator at uh, Big Fish Entertainment and A&E, awesome people. It well, it's a great show, you know. Really, TV, it really TV is. Zero to zero in a week, you know. And right. That's how TV works. Yeah. Now, you know, the other shows I, I forgot about you in Dallas SWAT because I, I I knew some other people that were in Thanks. that too. <laughs> He's and, the poster boy for Dallas SWAT. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, and then uh, uh, then you're you're a Dallas Real Housewife too, right? I'm not actually a housewife. I'm a husband, but yeah, my okay. However, right. Rich has been the storyline for the last three seasons. <laughs> I don't watch that was, show because I'm, you know, not gay. But uh, your girlfriend left it on that channel. That's how you know I was walking through the room at the gym that had the TV on, and uh, I was unable to get away. You know what happened when Dallas Walk came out? None of us wanted to do it because we're SWAT guys, you know. And my boss said, hey, these guys, they, they did first 48. Right, and, and right. He said, man, I just became the commander of the SWAT team. These guys are pretty funny. You need to do a show on them. If, his name's Jesse Reyes. He's a chief in Dallas. He really created the show because they sent a bunch of producers down. And I didn't know a producer was a guy with a camera that said, hey, will you talk to me? Put a mic on. And none of us wanted to do it. And they finally shamed me. He said, Rich, these guys will lose their job if you don't put a mic on. I said, listen. Just got a divorce. I just got into shooting. I'm fighting for child custody. I broke up with my girlfriend. Nothing to do with my divorce. But <laughs> I said, that's not a story. And they did the whole That's a country song, man. That's an, that's an episode. <laughs> and I said, okay, I'll put a mic on. And I was the first one to do it. And when the first episode came out, we would go to eat dinner. You know, we usually ran about six deep in SWAT and people would want my autograph and a picture and all the other guys were like, well, I want to do that. <laughs> right. And they all put on mics. So they, they, out of 50 of us, they singled in on about eight of us. And it became a good thing because it let people know that we weren't just a bunch of thugs that wanted to shoot people. They or prima donnas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We have uh, blow dryers in our holster. <laughs> patrol guys do for us. But no, it let people know how hard we try not to hurt people or kill them and bring them into custody safely. And that we're not just walking around with buzz haircuts trying to shoot folks. None of right. us are like that. Well, then why in the hell would anyone want that job? <laughs> you can't just walk around with a buzz haircut I shooting never. folks. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, you've got the Clinton. You know? Better leave me alone, son. <laughs> I don't want to get suicided, so we'll talk about something else. I'm very familiar with the Rose Law Firm. That's who represents uh, my family. But no, it led to other things. When you're on a TV show, and this is not true, I'm not the greatest SWAT guy in the world. I always tell the greatest SWAT guy in the world is in probably a town called Walker, Michigan, cleaning his guns right now, and he doesn't even have cable TV. But when you're on TV, people go, that must be the greatest SWAT guy. So the Outdoor Channel called me, and I did technical directing for them for a SWAT show. And 
Angels. Um, I did a movie with mm-hmm. Ashley Judd called About Human Trafficking, where I played an FBI agent. It just kind of snowballs. That's terrific. I don't count on it because it's so fickle. And then Live PD came along because a friend of mine, well, he ended up, he's my agent, or he was my agent, but he was the vice president of A&E, and he asked Big Fish Entertainment, we need a guy that's retired and can come up here and be a, like a color commentator and explain to Dan Abrams and the audience what cops are doing. And he asked me to come up there, and I got the job. So, like Well, I and your said, new thing that you're working on that you can't talk about is even more exciting. Yeah, but I can't talk about it. <laughs> that, that, is the, that should be the title of our show, Things We Can't Talk About <laughs> That You Might Want to Hear, because we always do this. It's like... Yeah, you know, this person just screwed this person out of $120 million in a divorce <laughs> settlement, but we can't talk about it. You know. I'll tell you this much. If I talked about it, you'd be bored to tears. <laughs> it sounds cool, but it's really not. Well, that leads us to kind of what we're going to go into as part two of this show sure. here in a minute. And, and and why you're here is that you, and besides being one of my buddies, you're, you're a expert in an expert i just got glared at by the <laughs> grammar nazi over here you're an an expert in uh in, in law enforcement in uh, law enforcement and uh you you you've been there you you know I studied for 30 years yeah and um so instead of just having another lawyer on which would be boring as hell um we always say we practice law well you know and, Come back of the warrant. Wearing my warrant, pal. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that uh, that doormat has saved me more than once. <laughs> that is that. That's my second or third uh, come back with a warrant doormat because they get stolen or worn out. Hey, that's part. That's my Halloween decoration, and I'm Whatever. sticking to the story. I, I had nothing to do with you. He I, saw it. Still had folds in the put flag. Put that sucker up here right when he got. Right, yeah, like an hour before you got here. Uh, he knew it was um, his honor. So, but we are we are going to have um, sure. part two of this, which is uh, we're going to talk about uh, a Dallas officer who's on trial right now yes, for murder, and we're going to talk about. Uh, and I think we agree on this, but I know you're going to give me hell anyway because I'm a lawyer. But um, don't, you know, I, I don't think it's murder. No, it's I, I don't think it's anywhere close I don't close think it murder, is either. But, but we're going to talk about that on part two. So if you're listening, you're going to have to listen to part two because it's going to get really fun after this. Um, that pretty much ends our half an hour. Do you have any other terrific stories you want to add to just how friggin' great you are and so everybody will know i'm gonna need more time i was gonna say he can share them in part two (laughs) all right well with that yeah well thanks for being here and And thanks for coming back we'll hear you (laughs) on uh part two of this when we're going to actually discuss a big case in dallas right now that's probably going to lead to all kinds of riots uh well not not our discussion of it no No. but if my show leads to a riot then I'm printing t-shirts if I cause a riot. Um, (laughs) With that, I am Jay Lucas, the evil lawyer. Our guest is Rich Emberland, and he's going to be back in the next show. My co-host is Kim Harmon Gatlin. Any woman who has that many names got to be expensive. (laughs) Have an evil day.